Hi, welcome to Quest, a vineyard church where relationships are the mission and we strive to live life as friends with faith through knowing God, loving others, and making a difference. My name is Dusty Wallace, Worship and Creative Arts Director here at Quest, and I just want to tell you, you picked a great message to listen to today. On November 1st, 2015, we began celebrating the launch of Quest's new Thrive Counseling and Coaching Center. Along with it, we began a new four-week series also titled Thrive with panel discussions from members of our pastoral and counseling teams. Each message and discussion reaches into real-life issues and counters them with real-life counseling expertise and God's good plan for each of us. For more information about Thrive Counseling and Coaching Center, visit thrivecounselingandcoaching.com. There you will find everything you need to know about our counselors, services, donation opportunities, and our sponsors, Main Street Dental New Albany and Dr. James T. Hutta, DDS. As always, you can find out more about Quest, who we are, what we do, and opportunities to give and serve at gotoquest.org. Now, let's dive into this week's message. So as we uh, finish today our series called Thrive in celebration of the grand opening of the Thrive Counseling and Coaching Center, um, we just want to start talking today about, um, well, let me introduce uh, uh, Tony and Melissa are here to help me do the message today. And, And let's start this way in the message. How many of you have ever, ever had an experience where you get home from work or you just get home at the end of the week and you're, and you're tired and, and you want to do some things, you, you want to get a few things done, you want to definitely relax, you want to get to bed early because you're kind of tired and you just, you just want to get rested, right? So you sit down to relax and whatever it is, you, you, you pick up the clicker, you take out your iPhone or your tablet or your computer or whatever you're going to do for fun that evening and you start to relax and, and, and the next thing you know, you, you feel like you should get off but you don't and it just kind of sucks you in and you just do it until it's really late in the evening. And maybe it's something you enjoy, something normally harmless, but it's, for some reason you just are stuck doing it. You just are, there's almost a sense of being compelled to continue to do it. And you do it long past the time that you really wanted to and you're neglecting some things that are important in life. And now you're getting to bed really late and you're really tired and you're frustrated because you know you're going to wake up the next morning tired. And what was supposed to be replenishing in the end really wasn't. So the next day you get up, you go to work, you're tired, like you expected to be. You come home and you go, I'm not going to do that again, right? We do that. We say, I'm not going to do that again. And But, you know, um, you're now tired and you're maybe just a little bit grumpy because if it's been a long day and... And, and you go, okay, I, I, but I, I just, I need to relax. So you just, you, you, you're going to pick it up and you, you start doing it again. And, and, and you just start to spiral and the same thing happens again. You're up late and now you're really tired. I fast forward a couple of days later, it's the end of the week maybe, and you're still tired and you're kind of, you're kind of angry from the frustration of the day. And maybe it's just been that you've been tired and you've just been grumpy and that person at the office who normally annoys you just annoys you more that day or, or whatever is going on. Or maybe it's because you you uh, know that you didn't pay attention to your kids or your, or, or your spouse well or some of the important things that well that week and you're not feeling really good about yourself and the relationships and where things are at. And and you don't want to continue to think about the crud of the day, and maybe you're even maybe you're in, uh, cognizant enough and in control enough of yourself that you sit down for a minute and you decide to pray and journal about it and try to try to face it and deal with it. But you sit down and as you start to pray or you start to read the Bible, or you start to journal, and in a few minutes you you nod off 
or, or, or you just feel more frustrated focusing on it. It's like the frustration gets more, the agitation gets more, and you just kind of go, oh, this is not working, this is not working. And so you, you pick up whatever it is, the phone, the, the, turn the screen on, you know, you, you go do whatever you do. Maybe it's even something more acceptable that you just go back to work and you just work some more. And there you go off again and you just are in this thing that you're compelled to do. See, here's the deal. In that moment, when we get caught in that stuff, it, it kind of numbs the difficult feelings we're facing that we don't really want to look at. And, and, and sometimes when you're really tired, it actually gives you some energy when you're playing that game or doing that screen time and it actually kind of wakes you up when you're tired. But when you're done, you don't feel better off. In fact, you feel kind of a different kind of worse inside. Uh, because you ignored some things that were important or, or you're extra t- either with yourself because you're extra tired not feeling you're feeling even worse now or, or you ignored your family or your friends or you ignored God or you ignored dealing with your feelings and you know it, and it's, it but it's like it you're controlled by it it's almost like it's leading you somewhere where you don't want to be and we all too often succumb to it don't we? It's like me sometimes. I love the game Civilization. It's a computer game. I, love, I especially love playing multiplayer with my kids on it. But, but when I'm tired, when I'm frustrated, when I'm not dealing well with my inner world with God, that game can be a trap to me. It sucks me in. I get on it at 7 o'clock and, and 9.30 rolls around and, and I barely acknowledge my kids starting to head towards bed as I keep playing. And at 10.30 rolls around and Wendy goes, I'm going to bed. And I go, I'll be up in a minute, honey. And in about 1 a.m., I'm now getting really tired and getting that kind of sick, tired feeling you get, you know, in your, in your stomach when you stay up too late. And, and I end up finally getting off and I'm mad at myself. Because I didn't hug my kids and my wife and pay attention to them like I wish I would have. I, I, and, I, and I know I'll be tired and the next day and I know I'm still going to have to perform, perform and I'm going to have to be spiritual yet I know I'm going to wake up the next day and I'm going to be grumpy. I'm going to be tired. I'm going to have a hard time being creative and it's just going to be a struggle. I'm probably going to ha- have a headache as well. Jesus actually talks to us about something similar as he's talking to the Jews in uh, John 8 about what's really, really important in life. And he says this in verse 31. He says, If you hold my teach- to my teaching, you are really my disciples. And then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Uh, that's kind of, if you know the background, that's kind of a ridiculous statement uh, that the Jews are going to make to him following up that because the Jews follow that up and they say this. They say, we are descendants of Abraham and we have never been slaves to anyone. They had been slaves to Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, Greece, and they were currently conquered and slaves, enslaved to the Romans at that moment. But Jesus is talking about this idea of being free and acknowledging the fact in this text, even in the, when we look at the Jews, that we all live struggling with that idea of being truly free in many areas of our lives, just like them. Like the Jews, we don't want to admit too often or we don't even recognize how we are sucked into behaviors where we are truly not in control, where we're not free, and we don't do the things that we really wish we would do. You see, all of us, doesn't matter what it is, we have these, we have these moments where something compels us, something that almost feels like controls us, and we're not free, we're enslaved, we're driven by something. 
When you look at the concept of sin in the Bible, sin is the any act that is not best for us. So it's harmful or others. It's harmful to us or others. And sin leaves us not living life fully alive. It leaves us oftentimes numb to a certain part of our lives. Even if we cover up that numbness with activity that we get sucked into that makes us have this sense of aliveness, we still are left living life not doing the truly important, not doing the truly beautiful things, not being engaged in what we know is truly purposeful. I mean, sometimes there are things that God created for good in the right order for us, things like, like sex or like a drink in moderation or food or, or work or other activities, but good out of order so often gets into this sense where we feel compelled, we feel sucked into something, something's driving us. And we do something longer than we want to. And it takes us away from what we know is good and right and best. Paul actually echoes talking about this, this thing in, in, in 1 Corinthians. And what he's doing as he talks about this, he's, he's echoing this argument that we often have, especially when we're doing something that we're getting sucked into that really in and of itself is not sin. I mean, civilization is not sin. It can be a great game, Right? But when we get sucked in, we have this argument in our heads, and Paul recognizes that and comments on it. He says in verse 12 of 1 Corinthians 6, he says, I have the right to do anything, you say. This is our argument, and then his answer. But not everything's beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. Today, the invitation of this message is for us all to recognize and consider what is going on in each one of us when we find ourselves tripped and falling into that spiral of not being able to get out and pay attention to what we really believe is the most important, whether it has to do with chemical addiction or whether it has to do with food or sex or screen time or whether it's more, much more acceptable addiction of work and we just work harder to avoid things, whether it happens occasionally to us and is you know, problematic or whether it happens consistently to us and is damaging. Most of us in our more rational moments, we'll all say that we understand that we're not always free because we do things we don't want to do. So today we're going to explore this idea of how we can find the freedom that Jesus and Paul promise. And to start with, uh, Tony's going to talk a little bit more about this web that sucks us in. Uh, the, the, the model I'm going to use today um, comes from a model that I use in my daily work. Uh, I work at um, a psychiatric hospital. I'm a, a, a dual diagnosis counselor, so I work with people who are diagnosed with a substance abuse disorder and a, a mental illness, usually severe mental illness. Um, and there's there's two, two parts of the hospital. One is a crisis unit where we're stabilizing people and getting them out into the community real quick. But um, the other part is the forensic unit is where people are there for a long time because they're there because they committed a crime. And, and in... On that unit, I do a group called Recovery Skills. And in that group, I do uh, something called the Web of Addiction and Mental Illness. And it's just a way to help the, the patients understand um, how we get, how we create a, a system for ourselves that, that feeds, feeds the dysfunctional behavior. Um, and I'm going to explain that. But before I explain that, I, I want to um, uh, talk about the, the be- where that comes from. Um, you bring up the, the webs. 
Okay, so um, the source of this 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 paradigm comes from uh, it was one of those days I was out with my sons and we were we were having one of those afternoons where we were adventurers and everything that we saw was it sparked curiosity and we were just exploring um, and one, my youngest son came across one of these things uh, and he said, "Daddy, look at this thing." And I said. He said, what is that? And I said, it looks to be some sort of spider web. Um, and uh, I'm not a scientist or anything, but uh, I do a little research when I, when I get, get curious. And I did some research, and this, this is a web of a grass spider, and it's in a classification of spiders that, that weave a web that's called a, a funnel web. Um, and I knew that it was a spider web, and I knew that it was a spider down in that hole. If you go back to the, the spider webs real quick, I'm sorry. Down, down in the middle there, I knew there was a spider. So I, I, I got my youngest son. I said, here, take this blade of grass and touch that web, see what happens. So he t- took the blade of grass real gingerly, like shaking a bit, and touches it. And lo and behold, out comes a spider. And um, it really got me thinking because I... I, I'm kind of in that mode where I think about these things, uh, thinking about addiction. Um, what happens is this, this spider has this 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 net almost, this web, and anything that touches it, he reacts. Um, and that's kind of what we create. We create this web, this web of thoughts. And we can go to the next slide. Web of thoughts. Uh, messages, um, memories uh, that that we have from our uh, from our uh, our life, emotions um, that that is just out there, and and when it is triggered by things in in the outside world, we react and we get we we fall into this funnel of our dysfunctional behaviors, as uh, Ross was saying. Um, let me bring up the next slide. The funnel slide, if you would, please. And this funnel, and the way the funnel works is that, you know, you got your your trigger, which is something from the outside atmosphere that comes into your web that you've created as your atmosphere, and it and and it has it has wiggled your web and caused you to feel some sort of way, and it brings up the thoughts, the memories, which cause you to feel a certain way. And when we, you know, when we feel a certain way, we are the we're we were wired to when we feel away we act away um and so then we feel and then we have this behavior that 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 makes us for the moment feel better and we turn to that we'll go to the next slide and then what happens is when we get into the middle of that funnel we get caught in this cycle of isolation um uh the dysfunctional behavior causes you to feel even worse so then, as you feel worse, you want to feel better, and you do the dysfunctional behavior. And, and the isolation comes into play is where you are isolated. It becomes you and your behavior, um, and and you can be surrounded by a, 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 a wonderful group of people, and there's no connections because you have connected yourself, and you're trapped to your web, and nothing else, um, nothing else, moves you the way the web does. Um, and you get dis- and ultimately you're detached from from God and, and you and you um, the shame and the guilt keep you 
wrapped up in yourself in a way where you're just that spider at the bottom of the funnel devouring and reacting and devouring and reacting. And and that's a really, really bad place to be. And I'm up here today just to talk about my personal experience with dysfunctional behavior and addiction. I'm an alcoholic and I've had uh, plenty of other things that I've engaged in to try to get what I think I need. And I've become uh, trapped in that web of addiction and alcohol specifically. But I've found that I can make just about anything uh, a substitute for relying on God. And I hope that as I'm sharing that you can kind of connect the dots for yourself, that you will take a look at some of the things that you might tend toward and that might be your uh, go-to. But regardless of the approach for helping out with uh, addictions of any of these kinds of issues, there's always a spiritual solution. I like that. Um, No matter who's doing the work, there's always that push toward something outside of ourselves. And it's this universal treatment for living free of substances and in those compulsive behaviors. As I became dependent on alcohol, I started edging God out of my life. It wasn't like I was uh, doing that intentionally, but I just started hiding a little more every day. And the result was that that addictive activity uh, took me to a place of being less connected to myself, uh, less connected to people around me, and definitely less intentional about my relationship with God. The first three steps of a 12-step program often get summarized like this, and this is a good way for me to remember it. It's, I can't, he can, and I think I'll let him. And it wasn't until I could honestly say those three little sentences that I could begin to let go of my addictive behavior. For me, it was about really getting honest with that situation that I was in, that what was going on within me, and, and being clear about it being able to have a hope that God could help me, and then really taking the leap of faith and saying, I think I'm going to trust him to take care of me, and I think he's going to do a better job than I can do. I have not had a perfect record at recovery. Uh, One thing I know is that I have to really intentionally stay really grounded and, and intentionally think about I am an alcoholic, and stay aware of those tendencies and those behaviors and really respect the power that they can have over me when I don't rely on God helping me, when I don't rely on something bigger than me. The enemy is always trying to get me to disconnect from God. If he can manufacture doubts about whether God is really going to take care of me or whether I qualify for his care, then I get into a bad place. I become really vulnerable to taking refuge and to in something or someone else. I do have a lot of discipline, and so my first approach to recovery was compliance. If I could follow all the rules, I I could do that really well for a while. And I've done that really well for years about some behaviors, and that has worked. But eventually, that self-reliant obedience is not going to be good enough, and it wasn't good enough for me. It's not a game of willpower. This compulsive compulsive behaviors and addictions it's the self-rule is never a long-term solution it's really about having a daily surrendered reliance on god and as soon as i start assuming responsibility for myself and i start bringing in reinforcements from other places because i really don't have what it takes 
to do this in and of myself. And I can bounce back and forth between that compliance to defiance and I um, just think, so what? I, everybody else has issues, this is gonna be mine. I can jump into uh, just saying, this works for me until it doesn't anymore. And then I have all these consequences that start mounting. God has never uh, offered me a partial solution. He gives me really specific steps to take. Sometimes that comes directly from him to me, and sometimes that comes from other people. But I just have to uh, rely on him to give me the power to follow through with them. When I think about some of the things uh, that really going on with me underneath my addiction, I have to have courage and humility to look at that stuff. Things, what am I afraid of? Who do I need to forgive? Uh, what am I believing about God? I have to face those difficult things, but I get to do it as a sober person. And I leave those outcomes up to him, and taking the pressure off myself. Sober means clear-headed. And my experience is that any dysfunctional behavior I'm involved in leaves me feeling kind of dull. And sometimes very dull. I don't see my circumstances. I don't see other people. I don't see myself uh, very clearly. And it also leaves me in a place where God gets kind of hazy to me. I don't really even know if I really believe who he is and what he's really like. I've heard people in recovery talk about this spiritual awakening and I like that phrase because it reminds me that whenever I'm engaging in my dysfunctional behavior or an addictive behavior, it leaves me anesthetized. And an interaction with God can really wake me up. And that's encouraging to me because I know that I can have one of those experiences anytime that God's always available. And he doesn't give us just one spiritual awakening. We can have as many as we're open to. And those always open me up to a place of trusting him more. Thank you so much for sharing. Don't you appreciate the vulnerability? Um, you know, when we get caught in these behaviors, whether it's chemical-related or a game or screen time, it's really, isn't it true, that it's really because we're refusing to or we are afraid to or we're too frustrated to or we're feeling too helpless or hopeless to relate to part of ourselves to relate to some pain or fear or frustration or anxiety or disappointment that's going on and a refusal to not only relate to that in ourselves but to bring it to God and allow him in that space with us. I mean, civilization is a great fun game, but it's destructive to me and it's addictive to me when I'm avoiding, maybe I'm avoiding a, a conflict that I'm having with Wendy that I'm not able to resolve like I wish we could, or maybe it's because I'm frustrated with myself that day at not doing as well as I wanted to do in something, or maybe it's because I'm frustrated with someone else and I don't feel like I have the permission or the ability to do anything about it. From the very beginning of the series, we've had a theme running throughout each message that, that really all of this ability to be healthy begins with self-awareness. We talked about from the beginning that to be spiritually healthy means you also have to be emotionally healthy. You can't separate the two. And, and self-awareness is the only way we actually learn to change from the inside out. We've got to look inward 
first. But it's not just self-awareness. It's not just navel-gazing. It's, it's looking inside and allowing God to be there with us and interacting with God actively about what's going on inside of us so that He can bring freedom to us in that place. And we can learn to recognize when we're vulnerable you know, one of the things we really need to pay attention to is understanding the triggers that uh, set us up to start that spiral, you know, that, that little blade of grass that sets that snap, and it's just instant when that happens. Tony, Tony's going to talk a little, little more about it, that with us. Well, one of the, one of the um, <coughs> illustrations we use to, to kind of describe uh, the way triggers work in, um, is called HALT. Uh, and it's simply, it's, it's real simple. It's, it's hungry, angry, lonely, and tired. And if, if, at the, and it's, and it really speaks to our basic needs. And if we're not meeting our basic needs, then we become, our web becomes this very sensitive field that is really easily triggered. And, and the, the, the moment between the, the, the trigger and, and you being in, in the, in the, Core of that funnel is like that, um, uh, and the more the more we ignore our hunger, our, our, our emotions, uh, our relationships, and, and and our 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 fatigue, the more that that web becomes sensitive. And so when you're when when we start to rebuild, which I'll talk about uh, a little bit later, rebuild a new web. Uh, positive web we have to start doing these things we have to start looking at our nutrition how are we eating uh, that's a that's kind of a hard one uh got to look at our emotions what's making us angry we got to look at loneliness loneliness is a is, is a funny thing because you can be as lonely as all get out and be around a ton of people um, you know, if you're not connected to people, and that's that's that core of the, of the web of dysfunction is I have these people around me, but I don't know them, I don't feel them, and I have this awesome God above me, and I don't know them and I don't feel them, and then you feel lonely. And then the one that I I, I struggle with a lot is is the tired. I I, I struggle to to get a good night's sleep a lot. Um, at the end of the day, when I'm anxious about the things that have gone on through the day, I start to think about that. It keeps me up. Um, and and if, if we're not sleeping, and not just sleeping, it's, it's you know, taking care of ourselves, taking that time to rest, then, then, then our, our, our web is easily triggered. But there's something that, there, there's, a, there's a, a way that, if we can go to the pause one, um, uh, there's a way to, to um, kind of start to build uh, that web that I like to, to share with people, and that's the pause. The pause is simply just the, 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 the time between your thought and your behavior. Um, and when we're in that web of dysfunction, the time between our thought and behavior, like I said, that, that web of dysfunction likes quickness. It likes to get you here and there real quick. That spider comes out and jumps out real quick. Um, and, and as we start to build a, a positive web, we start to, we have to begin to acknowledge that pause and lengthen it to a manageable length. Um, and that starts with first acknowledging that you're triggered. It means, it means, okay, this is upsetting me. I, this thing that happened to me has made me upset. And you can say that out loud. You can say it to, to a friend. But most importantly, you're saying that to God. You're saying, God, this thing that has come into my, my, my realm of understanding, my perception is 
causing me to feel this way and then 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 there's a prayer and as you go along you'll you'll get to you'll you'll build that up to you get to a point to where you're you're praying and then you have you have a, a a network of of things that you can do to lengthen that pause and eventually you become in control of the moment and you're no longer here and there real quick yeah proverbs actually illustrates this idea of getting sucked into this behavior that compels us and the triggers in chapter 7 of proverbs it, it illustrates it in a number of places in chapter 7 it does it in the context of sexual addiction but don't get caught up in the fact that that's the focus of the topic because the reality is whether it's chemi- chemical other chemical things or food or video games or or tv or facebook or pinterest or whatever it is that we get sucked into and we find ourselves being so compelled that we're starting to neglect things or do it a whole lot longer than we think is healthy for us. So the feelings, the drives, the process is all very similar. In the build-up to this, the text, the part of the, part of the text we're going to read, you actually see this man walking down the streets just near the corner where the, the prostitute resides. And, and in verse 21 it says this, With persuasive words she led him astray. She seduced him. She sucked him into the trap. She tapped that drive inside of him that tips him from the point of control to I'm a goner. Uh, with her smooth talk, all at once following her. It's this, all at once, this sense of this trigger. It's, it's very fast, isn't it, in our lives? We can say, no, no, I'm not going to do this, and I'm not going to do this, and the minute we do it, we're done for the evening, Right? All at once, like an ox going to the slaughter, like a deer stepping into a noose, till an arrow pierces his liver. Now, in the Jewish culture, the liver was, today if we said the same phrase, it would be pierces our heart. Uh, It's this, have you ever felt this kind of like when you're being drawn, sucked into it, you, you have this, or tempted, you have this gut level, kind of this twisted tension going on inside of you where your heart rates up and you're, you're feeling this pulling, this drawing, this compelling to this behavior that you know isn't going to lead you exactly where you want to go in that moment, is it? And then it goes on, it says, like a bird darting into a snare, little knowing, little knowing it will cost him his life. You see, this is a picture of us not understanding the triggers and not being able to lengthen that pause between the stri- triggers. He bring, puts himself in the vicinity of the temptation and he's, he's seduced, he's compelled, he's drawn in. And you know, lengthening the pause it, it can look like just very practical, sometimes simple things. It can, it can be just simply knowing what your triggers are and, and, and being aware of them and then avoiding even being in the vicinity of them. Or, or it can look like, you know, I know many of you travel for business and, and I've heard this a lot from different people who have traveled for business. And I've been, I used to travel 90 to 100 days a year and, you know, you get, you get up at 4 a.m. to catch a flight and you're not done work until 9.30 at night and you get back to the hotel and you're alone and you're tired and you're hungry and sometimes you're frustrated, especially if the plane got delayed or stuff's not going well that day or you're late and stuff and, and you have practically everything on the halt radar going on and you get there and it can really be a time of temptation being alone in a hotel late at night, can it? And I know for some, some men in particular, but women as well, I've heard them who travel, they say, my temptation to pornography is so much greater on those evenings and it's so easy just to get involved in that. Or maybe it's not even pornography. Maybe it's just staying up and watching movies you've seen a dozen times and wasting time and not feeling replenished and then feeling tired and, and just, just it's not a good feeling, right? So, you know, lengthening your pause in that situation might be as simple as predetermining before you go in the room what you're going to watch. 
I mean, you know the schedule of your shows a lot of times, predetermining it, and then when you get in the room, picking up that channel guide so you know what channel it is it on, and then when you turn the TV on, you key in the channel rather than flipping through all the channels and accidentally getting caught on HBO or Showtime late at night when all the nudity's on, right? I remember years ago counseling a guy who was stuck in a, sec a sexual addiction that was really dangerous to himself and others. And, and lengthening the pause for him looked like, at the end of his workday, intentionally setting time aside before he left the office to do this halt evaluation. Am I hungry? Am I tired? Am I angry? Am I lonely? And do that evaluation. And if he was, and if he was feeling vulnerable at that moment, he called his parents or he called a friend or he went over to his parents' house or he went over to a friend's house, you know, until he was in a little bit better place. Lengthening the pause could be putting better habits of, of, of prayer and journaling. Maybe it's only 10 minutes at the end of the day before you leave the office or before or the first thing you do when you come in at home and you, you spend some time in prayer and journaling. Or sometimes when you feel the temptation coming on, it's, it's not just praying, but praying out loud. Because there's something about talking with God out loud about this area of vulnerability that makes it more real than trying to deal with it all in your head. And that sometimes helps us lengthen the pause. But finding the freedom is more than just lengthening the pause when you feel a trigger coming on. It also involves creating a very intentional web of health and recovery and wholeness in our life. And Tony's going to talk more about that. Uh and I don't, so I don't just use that, that web analogy for, uh, just to describe the illness or the, the addiction. I, I, the, the web is also a way to describe, uh, the healing, uh, that comes when, when you're in recovery. Um, and, and the, the, the new web is an example of the way that God tends to work sometimes in our life. Sometimes He takes our, our, our sickness and, and and the bad things in our life, and he and he completely flips them, uh, and and that's what happens with your with the new web, the new web, your web of recovery, your web of healing, your web of of new life, is that old web flipped over, to where the difference is where the old web is a is a funnel sucking you down into a place where you're lonely and tired and angry and hungry and you just can't get out. What God creates for us is a new web, a web that he lays out a network of people, uh, of, of new thoughts, new messages about ourselves that builds us up and creates in the center a fount of, of, of new life. And, and as we know, that new life, when we get that new life, it springs out from out, out, from, out from the inside, and it creates in us this desire to share. And... Um, and that's that kind of the new, the new funnel. So you, it starts with the God's love and guidance, and that's that moment of spiritual uh, awakening where He calls out to you and He says, "Hey, I'm here. I've been here. I've been in in this middle of this funnel with you the whole time, and all I need is for you to just turn and look at me for a second. And then when you connect with Him, He begins to guide you out, and He does that through a." Uh, emotions of peace and security and connectedness with the world around you. He opens your eyes to where they were closed before, the, to the fact that all those people that you've been avoiding all along, all the ones that have been calling out to you and trying to connect to you, those are the people that you need to connect to. And he, he helps you connect. And then he brings in new people. He does new things. and um, Ultimately, he creates this message in us that he, you are his child, 
and he loves you no matter what. Um, and the, the, one of the main fibers that creates this web is grace. Uh, grace is the thing that, that helps us avoid, it catches us and avoids us falling down into the, to, the, to the negative funnel. And it, it's that, that, uh, the idea that it doesn't matter how many times I fall. God has created a, this new life, this new web that will catch me. I can make mistakes. But tomorrow's a new day. And instead of this cycle of I do my behavior, I feel bad about myself, I wake up with a new spiritual waking every morning, and the cycle begins again. He lifts me up. He, he, create, he puts me in that fount of new life, and I feel motivated to share with those around me and be connected. Yeah. Isn't that an amazing illustration? It's almost like instead of this funnel in the middle that you get trapped in, it becomes your trampoline. You get to bounce back on. That God always catches us. It's all, God's always there. There's a guy named Gerald May. He's a psychiatrist. And he uh, wrote a book called Addiction and Grace. And he argues that each and every one of us have this desire for God within us. And when that desire is frustrated or misdirected in a fallen world, we end up experiencing pain. And when we experience pain, we deal with it in one of two ways. We either repress it, try to avoid it, or we attach it to something else. We could attach it to something else that's not God, or we could attach it to something else that is God. And the interesting thing that comes out of that thought process there is that the first question we need to ask ourselves and God when we feel vulnerable or even in the midst of ourselves spiraling in this behavior is what do we need? What's causing that desire that's driving us at this moment? One of the reasons uh, we, as Quest, founded the Thrive and Counseling Coaching Center, and one of the things that we want for us as a people who are Quest is that we'll be more intentional about making sure that we as a people, we as a church, are a place that is safe to talk about mental and emotional health without shame. Instead, with huge acceptance and grace and kindness. What that requires of us is that we start to walk more into that freedom and living that thriving abundance out that Jesus wants us to have. And we become those safe people. And to do that, we have to embrace the belief, even for ourselves, like we talked about earlier in this series, thriving is not always living in this place of peace and joy and never experiencing anything negative. In fact, those negative emotions and thoughts are oftentimes gifts from God as warning signs that we need to pay attention to so that we can take them to Him and we can grow in wisdom. We can understand what's going on and we can walk out of that safely into His love and freedom that He promises us to have and that our life can be thriving, hitting on all cylinders instead of imploding on ourselves and feeling like we're not operating the best way that we were intended to operate. You see, everyone has physical health issues and physical maintenance that we need to do to stay healthy. And every single one of us also has mental health maintenance that we need to do and mental health issues that we need to pay attention to. And we'll find ourselves managing those a whole lot better if we pay attention to even some of the studies around chemical addiction in particular, but all addiction, I think this applies to. There's, there's studies that indicate if you only, if you try to go it alone and figure this out on yourself, or if you just go it alone, but, but maybe try one method only, 
like AA or whatever to get out, that your likelihood of relapse is 80 to 90%. But if you build this expansive web of friends with faith who you can talk about God, who encourage you, who you can talk openly and honestly and not feel ashamed about your failures, if you can create this vital habit system of relationship with God and understand that He loves you even in the depths of when you're spiraling. He is there and He loves you and He accepts you and you can start to build that web. And if you can add to that counseling or if you can add to that support groups or intentional growth processes like small groups and things in your life, if you build an expansive web like that, then your likelihood of relapse into whatever the addiction is, whether it's chemical or whether it's screen time or whatever that's destroying you right now, your likelihood of relapsing into it is 10 to 20%. There's that much of a difference if we make a healthy web of recovery. See, lengthening the pause has a lot to do with not just between the trigger, but also creating that web to keep us safe throughout all days of our life. You see, let me, let me, just, let me just make this before I get to the close that I want us all to reflect on. If you're here and you are, have been in recovery from a chemical addiction of some sort, or if you have a family member who's been in that kind of a place, I would love it if you would talk to Tony and I. We would love to form a leadership team and start as another way of quest being practical in our building of relationship and caring for ourselves and our community to start some AA, Al-Anon, NA groups. And so if you have a a background in that and you want to be a part of something like that, would you talk to Tony and I and we're going to try to work and see if God will bring us the right leadership team to be able to get that going after the first year. But let's let's pause and let's get more personal again because all of us struggle with some form of this at some level in our life. And if you recognize today as we're talking, yeah, that's me. I find myself spiraling out of control of whatever it is that you struggle with then I want you during the next worship time here as we continue to respond to God with just your own personal confession and worship of Him, that He loves you even in the moments you are doing that. Even in the moments when you are most disappointed with yourself, He is there loving you. And just worship Him for that. Confess that. And I want you to begin to ask God now and today throughout the day, what is the need driving that? What's going on in me? that's making me do that, that frustration or pain or whatever it is. And then begin opening up to friends this week and maybe even make an appointment and go see a counselor or or get involved in an AA group or some other small group or some place where you're going to start strengthening that web so that you have the resources to be free. Because that's the promise. God doesn't want us to stay. I know this can be a hard topic because we all struggle with it, but he doesn't want us us to stay in that moment of feeling, wow, this is heavy. He wants us to thrive, to go beyond that, to experience the freedom because it's for freedom that he has set us free. And that's his plan for us. So let's pray. Lord, I ask that your spirit would come right now and that you would touch each one of us. Lord, we long for your dream for us to be free, that we would uh, realize that there are lots of things we can do, but not everything is beneficial. And that, Lord, we would not be mastered by anything, but we would be able to live in that sweet spot of the important, the beautiful, the purposeful, the ways you've designed life to be for us. 
Lord, that we would be people who would learn to deal with our, our feelings and our stress, our frustrations in a way that they don't master us, but we, we're free because you come to us and you set us free. We're free to be everything you designed us to be. Lord, I pray for those areas where um, we feel like we have compromised. We've settled. We've said, well, not everybody's perfect, but this is just going to be me. And this isn't so bad. Some of us, we're doing things that aren't even so bad. It's not like... It's not like we're taking drugs for some of us. Some of us are just getting caught in screen time and we think it's not so bad, but we know we're compromising and it's not the best because it's controlling us. It's not pleasure. It's not recreation. It's controlling us more than it needs to and we're losing sight of the beautiful, the purposeful, the more important things. Lord, I pray that you would help us to just surrender that to you right now because you want to wash that sin unclean. You want to you draw us out of that into something much more beautiful. So Lord, as we continue to worship, Lord, would you come by your spirit right now and would you surround us that we would sense your web and you being at the center of that web with, with us right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon audio. If you are loving Quest Podcast, let us know on Facebook or Twitter by using the hashtag GoToQuest. For more information about Quest, who we are and what we do, or if you would like to help support Quest financially, please visit us at GoToQuest.org. That's G-O-T-O-Quest.org.